In this episode, I talked to Rachel, who's 16, and she's had a remarkable education from being born in South Africa, moving to Australia and growing up in Australia, and also her education through the ballet system, which is incredibly rigorous. And she shares very openly her experiences of going through that very challenging time. She's now in year 10, and here she is to tell you about it. What is it like being in year 10? Um, it's very stressful. We get a lot of schoolwork. <laughs> what subjects are you doing? I am doing most of the basic subjects as well as my electives. So maths, English, science, geography, history, um, and then my electives, which are like dance, textiles, research studies, and then a few others like PDHPE and things like that. <laughs> right. And are you at a specialist school? Because I know that you do quite a bit of dance. I'm not at a school that is like specifically caters to the creative arts or anything, but my school does have a great dance program where we get to work with lots of amazing guest choreographers and things like that. <laughs> wow. And so tell me more about the dance you do. So I've been dancing since I was about six in contemporary and ballet. And I do dance both in school and outside of school. And I do competitions, ballet exams, scholarships, things like that. Lots of my life evolves around dance. Great. And so what does that mean for the future for you? Well, for a long time, I wanted to pursue dance as a career. Um, but I think as I've matured, I've realized that it's quite a hard career to pursue because your body, it's very physical and also can be very mentally demanding. And while dance is my passion, I probably want to pursue a career that's a bit more sustainable, but still involves dance in some way. So possibly dance psychology or dance physiotherapy. Lovely. And when did you start thinking about that? Like if you think about what age did you think I don't want to be, or maybe don't want to be a professional dancer? Um, in year nine, I actually left conventional schooling and went to a full-time ballet school. And while there, I was really exposed to uh, how challenging the ballet world can be and how demanding it really is. And you have to have a really, you've got to be very passionate to pursue it. And I think while in that environment, I learned that I don't have that passion and that motivation that is required. And I'm glad I had that experience because it allowed me to learn that I love dance, but it's not what I want to pursue for the rest of my life. Yeah, interesting. So that's that idea around passion and you didn't have the passion. I guess I, I only know from you about you from your mother and I know a little bit about your background and I, I follow her on Instagram. So <laughs> I 
yeah. I can see a little bit about what you're up to. But from the outside, it looks like you're incredibly passionate. So how do you find what is actually the passion that lies beneath what you've been doing? Um, I think it's just the passion involves loving dance undeniably and despite any setbacks or any failures or any hardships, you still know that it's part of the journey and this is what I want to do. And I think what I learned is that while experiencing things that, the, that were hard, I found that it's, I, I don't want to deal with that. I find it too mentally and physically draining. And while that passion allows other dancers to continue to pursue their uh, training and their drive for a career. I found that I wanted to pursue something that wasn't going to hurt me the way I felt my dancing was. There is a big stigma around body image and eating disorders and perfectionism in the dance world. And I definitely suffered with a lot of the things that the ballet world is stigmatized for. And I found that incredibly hard, especially while trying to juggle my schoolwork and my family life and my friends and my other hobbies. And I guess that pain that I experienced was made me lose a bit of my passion for dance. And so, yeah, that's what I struggled with. <laughs> So what are those things that now, if you look to the future, that you want in your future in spite of those experiences? Well, in the future, I want to have stability and happiness and I want to find a career that I can enjoy and feel like it's not going to, that it's it's not kind of a win or lose situation. I can kind of go past the hardships and deal with those better than I have in the past. And I think I'm actually glad I went through those things because I it allowed me to learn a lot from it and improve my resilience and my motivation and determination. But I think that in the future, I want to find something that's more stable and yeah, things like that. <laughs> Yeah, those words, uh, resilience, motivation, determination, they're, they're words we all understand and I think as adults we hear them used a lot. But what really did you understand from that? And I, it sounds like you've been through quite a bit. What what does that really mean? Um, I think that when I was going through a hard time, uh, I had to really – tune in to those qualities that I had kind of deep down that I was kind of holding back and I had to really let them out and bring them forward to the forefront to help me push past that time and to help me move on because I think I was struggling and kind of dwelling in the moments and I wasn't allowing myself to move forward and get past that struggle and using like increasing my resilience and trying to stay motivated really helped me get past that and allowed me to see the positives in my experience rather than the negatives and the hardship. And what were those positives? The experience I had gained 
the amazing opportunities I had had while full time, the things I'd learnt about mental health and physical health, and how to look after yourself and your well being. Um, I'd learnt about caring for the people around me and caring for myself, and also, yeah, just looking after those things, both mentally and physically. Wow. And do you think you can get to a place of mental health without going through all of those things? Definitely. I think that everyone goes through hard times and whether they're very damaging or only affect you slightly, you've got to use your resilience and your determination to push past that and you can find ways to learn from all your harder experiences and then you can come out of them as a stronger, better person. Yeah, so we've sort of been talking about these ideas of failure. So what what are some times you feel like you've failed and you've overcome them and moved forward? Well, when I went full-time, this involved me dancing about, I think, I can't remember exactly, but it was maybe like 30 hours a week, six days a week. Um, And I was doing all this dance in the pursuit of gaining lots of experience to possibly go overseas to a professional school or to get into a company and then have a job. And I was so upset with myself and I was struggling with my disordered eating and my obsessive perfectionism and my body image struggles and my mental struggles and physical struggles that I felt so disappointed that I was, I wasn't making the most of this opportunity I had to pursue a career out of my dance potential and what I But when I started to learn that maybe this was just part of the journey and maybe this was supposed to happen and it was supposed to help me learn and even though I felt disappointed and I knew that this is not how I wanted things to happen, maybe it was what was meant to happen. And once I got out of that environment and I believe I came out a stronger, more mature, more knowledgeable person, I was happy, happier than I'd ever been. And I think that that's what helped me through. Like, even though it was hard in the moment, getting through that, I found really helpful. And also just having that experience, even though it was hard, I'm really glad it happened because I learned so much from it. You seem very young to have had all those experiences. Is there something that you want to share with other young people about how to move through that? Um. Well, I think it's really important to, even though it takes a bit, like a bit of your heart and a bit of your soul, it's really important to confide in your family and your friends and to tell them what's going on because the only way to, for things to change is for you to get help or to try and make the change happen. And so by telling your parents or someone you trust or getting the help that you need, that's where change is going to happen. And it's going to allow you to get past that situation much sooner and much more smoothly because dwelling on the situation or allowing these thoughts to drown you 
it's just going to make the situation worse. And the best thing to do is to tackle it early and to not let it go on for too long because then it'll, it'll just become harder. So yeah, just talking to people I found really helped. Yeah, that's interesting. So talk to people, get in early if you recognize there's a problem. And mm. I guess confront it is a bit what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me too, I think, in, in dealing with things from an adult's perspective. <laughs> is there? Yeah. A, tell me a bit about your parents and how they were able to support you. Well, I remember the exact afternoon I told them what I'd been struggling with and I'd been struggling with these things for about two years and a half before I told them the full story. I think at first they were confused because they felt like this had been a part of me that they didn't know or that they had no idea. Like they felt like they didn't know exactly who that person was well, part of that person was. So they were a bit confused and shocked, but they were, they were so supportive and they they, all they wanted to do was to help me get through it and to su- support me with all they could and provide me with any resources that could help me. And I was so scared to tell them because I was so nervous they would be disappointed, but they weren't, they, they, they cared about me and they loved me so much and they just really wanted me to get through this and they wanted to help me become a happier, stronger person. Beautiful. So it sounds like there are a lot of positives in that experience. Were there Mm. any things about the process of sharing such a personal experience with your parents that was difficult? I mean, from how they dealt with it, maybe? Um, They were. It wasn't all sunshines and rainbows for sure. They were definitely um, a little disappointed because I had presented this image of a respectful, perfect child when I really had been struggling with all of these things underneath and especially with my eating disorder, which involved, which was a binge eating disorder. And it kind of contrasted all of the health and the like all the healthy eating that my parents had been encouraging. So it almost seemed like a form of rebellion, which it was in a way. So they were disappointed by that. They weren't angry as such. They were just disappointed. And I found that really hard because that was the one thing I never wanted to happen for them to be disappointed, but I knew it was a part of it. And we just had to talk things through and get over that. And also not just with the parents, but um, just also struggling because part of my eating disorder was to keep it a secret. And once I told them, it was so hard because I felt even more vulnerable and I felt even more upset. But I just knew that was the process and I had to get through that part for the positive journey to start. <laughs> and their disappointment, um, what do you think that is about? Do you think that does have something to do with you or something to do with them? Um, I think in the moments I thought it had something to do with me and 
how I had disappointed them and how I was a terrible daughter and that they didn't love me. But I think now it's kind of a bit of both. I think it's a combination of my, the way I'm hard on myself and also, and the way I internalize things and also a result of their values and their beliefs and their interpretation of the situation. So I think it's really a combination of both. Wow. The the things you're saying just sound so mature to me. They feel like things (laughs) I've only realized in the last few years. Um, But yeah, those ideas of holding on to your own beliefs and your own values. And do you think they can change over time? Definitely. I think as a result of your experiences and as as a result of your upbringing and the way you grow up or new jobs or new houses or whatever, like your, definitely your values and beliefs can change as you change as a person. Yeah. And I, I know also that you've moved through, you've, you've lived in different parts of the world as well. Can you tell me a little bit about your background? So, my family, my sister and myself and my mum and dad were all born in South Africa and I lived there for six years and my sister lived there for four years before we moved here to Australia and this year was is our 10th year having lived in Australia. Wonderful. And what do you remember from that time? Um, I was so young. I honestly can't remember much. I can remember vague, vague things, but not much. But I remember my parents always telling me how positive it was us moving to Australia and how that change was such a great thing. And I I do remember my mum being very upset at first because she missed all our all her friends in South Africa and she missed her old lifestyle. But I think that now she's happier than ever as a result of all the positive things that Australia has provided to our family, such as safety and security and amazing resources. And just overall, the change was so positive, even though it was really hard in the beginning, especially for her. But I think, yeah, over time, it's just turned out for the better. And when they, when they said security, what do, do you know anything of the insecurity of living in South Africa? Well, not that I can remember any firsthand experience, but I remember my parents telling me about how dangerous it could be in South Africa, how there was often robbery or murder or things like that. Also with the corruption of the government and there was evidence racism and how while South Africa is lovely and that was only a part of the country, it was evidence and it was hard to escape that. And when we came to Australia, that was something that we definitely noticed changed. And we were happy to experience that change. Do you think you'll ever go back? We've been back once for a holiday since we um, uh, left. And I loved the trip. It was amazing. It was sad to see um, racism that was presented from uh, the people we were staying with to 
people of color, I found that exceptionally hard and it was kind of unconscious racism as well, especially, I think growing up in Australia, I've kind of learned different values that I would have learned in South Africa. But yeah, so when I went there, I, while I loved it, I, I, I did witness some of the things my parents had been talking about. So I think I would only go back for holidays. I don't think I'd ever go back to live there. Mm. And, and those different values you're talking about, you say you feel like you would have had different ones, but do you know what they might be more explicitly? Um, I think my parents, even if we had stayed in South Africa, always had great, always had a lovely moral compass and had good values. But I noticed that with some of the families that we stayed with or just people that I saw, their children expressed signs of racism unconsciously, possibly as a reflection of things that they had seen throughout the country. And I think that living in that environment and growing up in that environment, it definitely would have influenced the kind of person that I would have grown up as. And maybe I might've expressed similar unconscious racism or prejudice and I think I'm glad that I grew up in a country such as Australia, which is often very accepting and loving of all people, despite their differences. Yeah, I guess we're we're seeing a lot about um, racial discrimination in the states and and even in Australia at the moment. What do you think about the protests that have been happening in Australia about that? I think they're good, and I think that protest is an effective way to bring media attention and public awareness to the issue. And it'll allow change to happen, which I think is so important, especially in this day and age, because change is the thing that's going to allow for positivity to be a driving force in the future. And I think the protests are definitely effective in gaining media attention and allowing the world to see what the people want and what's happening in the world right now and what needs to happen and what, yeah, things like that. Mm. And just to deviate slightly, who do you look up to today and whether it's someone you know or someone you don't know? Uh, someone I really looked up to for a long time is an American ballerina, Misty Copeland. Uh, yes. And she is so amazing and inspiring and um she has struggled with hardship her entire life as a person of color and she found she i well, i heard that she suffered from discrimination in the ballet world as a result of her skin color and also as a result of her muscular body figure which is unfortunately considered not to be the ideal ballet body but she pushed through that and was so resilient and she was able to come forward and make a career for herself and is now one of the most influential and amazing ballerinas in the world. And she suffered with similar things that I've suffered with and she was able to push past that and become a stronger person. And I think I just find that so inspiring because I can relate it to my own experiences and my own story in a way. Yeah, that she is incredible. I I, f I follow her a little bit and have seen some interviews with her. She's remarkable. Yeah. Uh, and what about what advice do you want to give adults? 
Um, well, considering the things we've talked about today, the advice that I would want to give adults would be that despite any hardship or any setbacks you go through, you have to use your resilience and your determination to push past those experiences and try to come out of them as a stronger, more mature, better person. And then once you reflect on those situations to see while they may have been hard and while they may have caused you much pain to see the positivity that they, that you could have gained from that experience and how they have made you a better person. And one final question, what would you do today if you were leading the world? Wow, what a great question. <laughs> um, I love putting people on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, well, I think that I'd want to focus on fixing, well, not fixing but changing a lot of the main issues we're currently suffering with globally, such as racism, climate change, poverty, domestic violence, um, mental health, things like that, probably to try and unite all people and to try and make change globally and to help make the world a better place for everyone where there isn't as much segregation and discrimination and there aren't evidence classes where people can be equal and yeah, I just want equality. That's a beautiful shopping list. I love it. Rachel, thank you so much. It's been really enlightening listening to your answers. I'm, I'm very impressed by you. So thank you so much. It's great on a Sunday morning to have this conversation. <laughs> yes, thank you for having me. I had a wonderful time. Oh, great. And you have a lovely day. Thanks so much. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all the episodes of the podcast on your favourite platform. And please hit follow. You'll make us so happy. See you soon. This podcast has been made possible with the help of March Made Media and Leonie Tillman at English for Business.